Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. Today we are continuing our series on voices, and we're actually finishing up this series about voices. How many of you guys liked this series this month? All right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> For the audio recording, people raised their hands instead of cheering. So, um, it, uh, I loved this series so much, um, and you, uh, it's a great series for us to end on. Um, next month, we are doing a new series where it's going to be called Open House Series, and every week of the month, we're going to have a guest speaker come in and speak at our church. And um, and so it's being able to finish on this Voices series right before that has been so exciting. And I want to start today's message with a question. Do you believe everything that people tell you? Do you believe everything that people tell you? And today we're, we're uh, I want us to look at this verse in John chapter 18, verse 33 through 34. And this is Jesus right before he goes to the cross where he's being interviewed by Pilate. And it says, Then Pilate went back into his headquarters and called for Jesus to be brought to him. Are you the king of the Jews? He asked him. Jesus replied, Is this your own question? Or did others tell you about me? And today's title is Repeat After Me. Look at your neighbor and say, Repeat After Me. Repeat After Me. You know, and uh, right after uh, World War II, um, right after the whole Nazi regime, there's a, a weird exper- experiment that happened called the, the Milgram Shock Experiment. Anyone hear of that? And what, pretty much what happened is Stanley Milgram did this experiment at Yale University to where he had um, so many people come in and they were led to believe that they were asking somebody on the other side of a, a glass mirror questions and if they responded uh, and with the wrong answer, they would give them, they would induce shock, uh, shock therapy into the person. And so it was all a ruse. They weren't really, the person wasn't really being shocked. They were an actor, but the person believed that they were actually uh, inducing shock experiments on this person. And, uh, the, the scale of sh- the, every time that they missed one, the shocks were supposed to be worse and worse, more intense all the way up to 450 volts. So for those of y'all who are not electricians, at 300 volts, it's very dangerous for any human being. 400, uh, 450 volts is uh, a certain death. And so when they were doing this experiment, it was all to test the, the willingness of obedience to authority. Because the, uh, the, the question that he was trying to answer was, all the people of Germany that, that just went along with the Nazi regime, it, was it really, should they be accounted as accomplices or were, is it something embedded into our minds of just obeying authority? Were they just, were, are we just mindless uh, authority following people? And this experiment was so troubling by the results that he was, he was widely condemned because of the experiment and the practice because people were disturbed by what really happened. So what, what, uh, what happened was all of, the, all of the participants went to 300 volts, which is dangerous to any human being's health. 
And two-thirds of the participants went to 450 volts, which is immediate death. So that's 65% of people were willing to kill somebody because they were told to. And there was four prods that in the experiment that would urge people when they felt hesitant to go on. Because people were hesitant. They're like, oh, no, he's had too much. Come on, someone should go check on him. And they had four simple responses, four simple prods to get them to continue going. The first one was, please continue. That's it. So please continue. And people would continue. Say, I, I don't know about this. And they please continue. <sighs> okay. The second prod was, the experiment requires you to continue. Simple sentence. The, the experiment requires you to continue. Uh, I don't, okay. The third prod. It is absolutely essential that you continue. Oh, man. Really stressing out. I don't want to do this, but it's essential for me to continue. Okay. And then the final prod. You have no other choice but to continue. And those simple four phrases cause two-thirds of people to be willing to kill somebody else because they were simply told to. They weren't forced to do anything. They were simply told, you don't have a choice. Just do it. And so I want us to think about this concept in our lives because the truth is people are easily impressed. What that means is we are impressionable people. You can tell somebody almost anything and we almost immediately believe it. You ever been told something? You're like, man, that's crazy. And then months later, years later, or maybe just a couple days later, you realize it was just completely false. But you're so sure. You're like, what? No, I'm pretty sure that, pretty sure that's right. You know how many people will watch a movie and think that it's, it's historical fact, like even the Da Vinci Code. You know when that came out that people had all these conspiracies that arose about Jesus and Mary Magdalene and thinking like, oh yeah, like isn't that a thing that, that, Jesus, that Mary Magdalene was Jesus's like mistress, that they had a thing together? I saw the movie about it. And even the, the, the director of that movie was a, a well-known atheist and he, and he talks about how he knows that it's a completely false, not at all an, uh, accurate, it's just a made-up conspiracy. But his whole thing behind it was, if, as long as I can get people to question it, that's all I want. And think about that. That the directors of these movies, director, uh, uh, writers of songs... They're not just stupid people, that they are intelligent human beings and they have a philosophy and an idea that they're trying to impress on individuals. Did you know that Plato once said that theater plays are the most dangerous thing to mankind? The reason that he said that was because people could see a theatrical play and feel the same emotions of the play, even though they never experienced them themselves. He said that is incredibly dangerous for mankind because it means that they could be swayed to believe something or to do something, even though they've never experienced it themselves. 
And they're just making decisions based off of their emotion. Think about how many times have you seen a movie and you start crying. I'm the worst crier in movies. I saw The Notebook in seventh grade. Never even had a girlfriend yet. I started crying and heaving because at the ending. I, I, just, I was overcome with emotion. I cried during Wreck-It Ralph. I mean, that was real to me. <laughs> that was so deep. I was moved in my soul. Don't even get me started on Wreck-It Ralph 2. When she throws that medallion, my heart broke. I was disturbed. And see, that was, think about how crazy that is that we are watching a screen and all of a sudden our lives are emotional roller coasters. You see how dangerous that is? And now if you mix an intention behind that screen, we don't even realize how easily impressed we are. How, how easy it is to convince us. Think about the whole idea behind propaganda. We think propaganda like, oh yeah, that's obviously wrong. Well, propaganda is never labeled as propaganda, right? It, did you know that when Top Gun came out, even though it, it was based for uh, the Navy, that after the movie Top Gun came out with Tom Cruise, that the Air Force had a 90% increase and people signing up to be pilots. That's crazy, right? Is that propaganda? <laughs> Do you see how, if, if you look through history, and when even when certain movies come out, there's a complete shift in our culture and the way we respond to something that we normally never responded to. It, when you look at even just social media and blogs, did you know that most blogs... Are, are literally just to sell you something that that it's a it's the newest modern way of selling is by writing a blog about 10, 10 best ways to improve your health and it has like uh, these lotions or vitamins or etc and a, if you're interested just click in this link they get a commission off of that it, it's a whole it's a whole thing I'm not trying to down anybody that would do that it but People don't even realize that they're being sold. It, how many articles have you read one day that's like, don't ever buy this product, and the next day is like, you gotta buy this product. Did you know that that all is, is marketing trying to gear a, a people group to go towards one direction or another? We're so easily impressed. And what's, what's terrifying is just like in this, this experiment we read about, people are willing to, to make life-altering decisions based off of what somebody else told them. And I think about, uh, I went to a pastor's conference in Baton Rouge um, back in March, and some people were sharing about how this generation of, of us as millennials is the most uh, frustrating generation <laughs> that, that church uh, pastors have experienced. Because this generation, we can watch one YouTube video and consider ourselves experts. Two, two YouTube videos, pff, man, you should be teaching it. And we have so much accessibility to information 
And so such a lack of understanding of integrity. To where we receive information from whoever is willing to give it to us. And we never even think to test the person's integrity that's sharing the information. Think about that. And, and think about how, how many crazy people put out content and, and videos and lessons or etc. Anybody can. And people just eat it up. We're, we're very, very, very easily impressed and we consider ourselves experts when we have no experience. There's a big difference between learning about something and experiencing something. If you even think about uh, when you read in the Bible, if you read about Jesus casting out a demon, that's inspiring, right? It's like, wow, that's crazy. But when you experience it yourself and you cast out a demon, that's a whole nother level. Would you all agree? It's one thing to watch the movie The Exorcist. Another thing when you're performing Exorcist. We can all get that. It's the same thing with everything else in life. It's one thing to, I, to think about becoming a parent and another thing to actually be a parent. It's one thing to think about what it's like to be married and another thing to actually be married. Yet, everybody is an expert. I think it's, it's hilarious when people with no experience try to give me advice. And I'm just like, bless your heart. <laughs> Good, thanks. I, I appreciate that. And the best advice that could ever be given is advice that's asked for. And if you find yourself giving a lot of advice, but never being asked for advice, you might think yourself a little more important than you actually are. Y'all dig what I'm saying? And ending on this idea of being easily impressed, don't accept something as truth and let, just because it sounds clever. I, I heard somebody say the other day, and this is just a silly example, okay? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not at all this critical of others. But someone was sharing this video the other day and they're like, I don't even know what they're saying, but they said something along the lines of, and then I, I just felt like Jesus was sitting with me in the car. And that sounds great. That sounds awesome. And it's spiritual. But let me just like break something down to you. Jesus is described as being on the throne. Anything that we experience is the Holy Spirit. This is like a, a little critical note, a, a critical idea that I would never bother saying this to anybody. But it's just an example of how it sounds nice, but it's not necessarily accurate. Think about um, godliness is next to cleanliness. That sounds clever, but it's not at all biblical. It's not scriptural. It, when, we, when we look at things that just sound clever... You got to really, you don't just accept it as truth. The Bible says to test every spirit. There's a, another time where I heard this, this person talking about how um, they were having tea in the morning. And they just, they saw this angel come sit next to them. And that was just a very pleasant experience. And they just had tea with this angel. Like, see, if you hear somebody talking like that, 
I, I want you to just like look back to the Bible. Every time someone saw an angel, they were overwhelmingly terrified to where they nearly fainted. They fell to the ground out of fear. No one is seeing angels like, hey, look like little fairy tale. <laughs> it, if someone tells you something like, I had a vision of this and you were this and I was that. And it sounds really weird. You don't have to just believe that person. You can test those spirits. Y'all, y'all get what I'm saying? I'm really trying to, to project an idea of discernment to you. That we as Christians, discernment is, is understanding whether something is real or fake, whether something's true or false, whether something's right or wrong. And we as Christians, we need to have discernment because the world doesn't. There's so many people that will just follow anything because they don't stand for anything. And we need to understand what, what is, uh, how truly impressionable we are and how easy it is for us, as smart as we think we are, to be led astray by someone that sounds clever. Think about if anyone here has ever been in a manipulative relationship. If you've ever been in a scenario where you had someone that was manipulative as a, an authority figure to you, as a boss, as a leader. It, it's so, you, you just mindlessly follow and then one day you're just like, how was I so stupid? It's because we're easily impressed. Someone say very insecure. We're some insecure people, right? We're super insecure. And what is insecurity? It's the voices in our head and in our hearts of fear that cause us to repeat those fears over and over until we believe it to be true. You think about that voice that says, you can't do that. You're so stupid. You're never going to be with them. You're so ugly. And notice that those voices are, are uh, the pronouns are you instead of I. It, anytime you're hearing voices and it's talking to you instead of you talking to yourself, it might be a different kind of spirit. But as long as it can convince you that it is you, it will make you very impressed and insecure about those voices. And all of a sudden you're like, I am stupid. I am ugly. Yeah, that is true. And that insecurity stops you from doing something you should do. And all, all a voice has to get you to do is repeat it yourself. Did you know that if you just repeat something long enough, not only would you better memorize it, but you take it more as your own. You literally start taking ownership over something that you just repeat. Now, if if you were to say something every day and say, I'm going to fail, I'm going to fail, I'm going to fail, you take ownership of that statement and it becomes your label. It becomes you. And that's why the most successful people, they have daily affirmations where they say positive things about themselves and they list positive things of what they feel insecure about so that they take ownership of something that they want to believe in. I, I, I will make it. I will succeed in this day. They say things like that. And even though it sounds dumb at first glance to some people, it's what helps compel them to overcome their insecurities. 
Because they're repeating something that's good instead of something that's negative. When you look through the Bible, there's so many people that were insecure. Look at Elijah. Right after he had this huge moment of success in his uh, being a prophet, he got all of the country of Israel, the whole, all of the people to turn back to God in one day. And while they were all ready to worship Baal, that instead they chose to worship Elijah, uh, Elijah's God. And one prophet compared to 300 prophets of false prophets, they ended up killing all of the priests of Baal and said, we're going to, we're going to follow God and we mean it. <laughs> but then Jezebel, the queen of the land, she was said, like, I'm going to get this guy. I can't believe he did. It. He got so scared and insecure. He ended up running away after his greatest success. And while he cried out to God, he, he got isolated himself, went into a cave and said, God, I'm the only one left. How am I going to be able to do this? I'm not, I'm not enough. I can't do this. Isn't it crazy how those insecurities over dramatize? And there's a point where instead of God addressing his insecurity, he just told him the facts. And God said, I have thousands of others that, that worship my name in Israel still. You're not the only one. But that's what insecurity tells us. Like, I'm the only one. Oh. <laughs> Woe is me. My, this is too hard for me. I can't do it. And God is saying, get up. You can do this. People that suck more than you do, and they've done it. <laughs> and see, the, those, those lies that tell us to repeat it to ourselves... They're just trying to talk us out of something. You know, I, I, I had to be in sales for a while. I, I got out of sales because I didn't like being a, a, um, a scumbag. <laughs> but not that salesmen are scumbags. Um, just felt like I had to be in order to sell things. <laughs> but what, what's, what people don't realize about sales is that all you're really doing is convincing somebody to trust what you're selling. To trust you even. There's teachings about sales where all you have to do is get somebody to trust you. That's why salesmen build rapport. Have you ever been walking in the mall and someone says, hey man, that's a nice shirt. That's called building rapport. They're trying to trick you. They're trying to get you to trust them through a compliment so that they can guide you to any product in the store. It, it's, it's so funny how sales it can elaborate the context of de- demons <laughs> where they're just, they're just trying to convince you to trust them, to buy into this product and their product is insecurity and fear. And it, I don't know how many times one, one of the factors that really got me to get out of sales because I was good at sales. I was, at, I was good at generating leads and I was good at being able to build rapport fast and, and, and have someone buy the product. And I did believe in the product I was selling, but there were so many times where I was selling to people that truly couldn't afford it. And I'd get emails saying, this person's behind on their payment. And I just, for me, I felt wrong. Like, they, of course they made the decision, but I was like, man, I, conv- I really convinced them to do something they couldn't afford. And, and think about us. We, we, we know that the Bible tells us that we have all victory in Christ, that we, that we are rich in him, even though we may feel poor in this world, that though we are weak, we are strong in him and he gives us strength. Yet the devil sold us these lies that we have taken as truth, that we're defeated, that we're losers, that we're covered in shame, 
that God wouldn't want to have anything to do with us. We've bought into these things just because someone told us. And it's as simple as the devil saying, just repeat after me, baby. Just repeat after me. And he might say no a couple times, but then all of a sudden you just, okay. You know, one rule in sales is that you always ask one more time. Because a person, there's been times where I made a sale where I, the person said no literally a dozen times. Over a dozen times. But then even as I'm leaving, as they're kicking me out of their house, I ask one more time. And I don't know how many, it, it's crazy. It would blow my mind to where in my head I was like, there is no way this person is going to buy anything from me. They were even mean to me. But I just kept asking one more time. Could ask the same thing in a different way. And even as I'm walking out the door, they're literally shoving me out. And I ask one more time and people are like, okay, let's just sit down and do it. And I would be blown away. For real? <laughs> okay. And see, that's all the devil has to do is just ask you one more time. Ask you one more time. Just get you to try to repeat it one more time. Tempt you one more time. Just tempt you one more time. And this time you might just give in. And you got to just understand that just like for a salesman, it is for a devil. If you just stay consistent saying no, they can't do anything to you. They can't make you do anything. Y'all dig what I'm saying? I think about Moses believing that he wasn't talented. He tells God, I stutter. I can't, I can't speak to these people. Please don't send me. Send somebody else. And in the book of Hebrews, we learn that Moses, even though he thought that about himself, that Moses was one of the best speakers. That he was trained in the, in the education of, of Egypt. That he was in the palace being trained and educated. That he was a magnificent speaker. That he was a great leader before God ever called him. That God used his upbringing to, to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. And it's a great illustration how God will use the, what the enemy gave you from your past. That God will use it for your victory later. And Moses, even though he was talented, his insecurities made him believe that he wasn't. When you look at Timothy, Paul is constantly trying to encourage Timothy in his letters. He tells Timothy things like, don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. Just because people are telling you that you're too young, that they shouldn't have to listen to you, doesn't mean it's true. Just because everybody else is talking trash, doesn't mean that you're trash. He tells him constantly, he even says, remember when we laid our hands on you and how God spoke to you and gave you the gifts that he had for your purpose. Don't forget that. Don't forget what God first told you. Don't listen to all these other people. See, the Bible's filled with these insecure people. I, I love this verse in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 17. This is Samuel talking to Saul right before he, uh, God tells him that he's taking away his kingship. It says, and Samuel told him, although you may think little of yourself, are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord has anointed you of king of Israel. And the reason why I love this verse is because how many of us think little of ourselves? As sons and daughters, as, as fathers, mothers, as even brothers, sisters, as, as Christians, as followers of Christ, as servants of Christ, as leaders, 
as our, even in our workplaces, we think so little of ourselves. And Samuel is here saying, even though you may think little of yourself, it doesn't make it true. Even though you get all in your feels with your insecurities, it doesn't mean that your insecurities are real. And God is still going to call you and God still gave you a purpose no matter how you feel today or how little you think of yourself. And so go out and just do it. Don't overthink it. You, you got a job to do in this world. And God gave you that job because he trusts you to do it. Y'all dig what I'm saying? You know, everything goes back to our identity. And we are so unsure about who we are. We're personally unsure. And one thing that we look at in Jesus is that he's an example for us, right? And Jesus was so secure in his identity all throughout the Gospels. From the, from the moment that he was a, a baby, the glimpse that we see as a teenager, that when he was fasting in the wilderness, did you know that when the devil tempted Jesus, Every single time it was coming at Jesus's identity. If you really are the son of God, then jump off. If you really are who you think you are, then do this. And every time he came at Jesus's identity. And I want you to think about right before Jesus goes to the cross, he decides to wash the disciples feet. A very humbling thing to do when 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 Jesus washed the disciples feet. There was a servant that would do that, but it was the lowest of all the servants in the class system that you had your servants and then the servants that would wash disciples feet. That's like latrine stuff. And Jesus takes the lowest position, even though he was the master. And right before he does that, he says this in John chapter 13, verse three through five says, Jesus knew that the father had given him authority over everything that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around them. See, it's a perfect example for us that whenever it comes to finding our identity in Christ, we can do anything from miracles to washing someone's feet when we know who we are in God, when we know who we are in Christ. And we believe so many voices in this world. I mean, think about even things that your teachers told you when you were a kid, a, a parent or a authority figure, anyone older than you as a kid that told you something negative about yourself and you still remember it to this day. You still... Remember how that one teacher called you stupid and how it wrecked your soul. And this world is constantly trying to impress a voice over you. And people mindlessly follow. But when you know what God's voice says about you, it changes things. It changes how you see the world. It changes how you see others. And most of all, it changes how you see yourself. I want you to think about what God's voice says about you. Even though you may feel like you're dumb, you may feel like you're unholy, you may feel like you're not worthy. God's voice is consistently, you are worthy. You are my child. You are my love. You are forgiven. 
How many times have you felt like you weren't forgiven? Think about that right there, that alone. You feel deep in your soul that you're not forgiven, that you're ashamed. And you ask God to forgive something multiple times. Think about that. The Bible says that when you ask for forgiveness from God, that he chooses not to even remember your past. One verse says that he obliterates our sins, meaning that he, it means that he throws our sins so, far to the, so hard to the ground that it explodes into millions of pieces. And that's how ready he is to, to, to wash you in his blood. And another psalm says that God casts our sin as far as the east is from the west. There is no east or west pole for those of y'all who didn't know. It means that there is never ending. It's never ending east from west. That is constantly being taken farther from you. And even though it is hard for you to forget because you have a, a, a genuine remorse of regret, God doesn't, he chooses not to remember he doesn't hold it against you. I mean, think about 1 Corinthians 13. It says that God, that love keeps no record of wrong. And then when you connect that to John 3, 16, it says God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. I mean, God is consistently trying to show us and convince us of this love, but we so easily repeat the words of the world rather than the words of God to our heart. And as far as everyone's weakness here, is there one human being that's perfect? I mean, I know I'm close, guys, but <laughs> obvious joke, right? I probably offended multiple people here in this room. Hurt some people's feelings and then you got over it. I've said things that make people question and doubt, think, man, is this guy serious? I, if there's anyone that has weakness, it's me. But let me read you all this verse in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. Each time he said, Paul talking to God, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. This is where, if you've ever heard the, the verse where Paul is talking about how he has a thorn in his flesh says, and I asked God to take away this thorn three times. And we think, man, I've been asking God to take it a lot longer than that. He said three times. But see, those three times are very significant because when Paul would pray for somebody to be healed, they would, bam. He once, he once made someone go blind. Like he doesn't mess around. When Paul something, says something, it happens. So for him to say three times, God, why take this thing away from me? And each time God says, my grace is sufficient for you. My, my grace works best in weakness. And there's so many studies that think that try to figure out what was Paul's weakness. What was this thorn in his flesh? And some theologians say, well, he might have had malaria. He might have been deathly ill. And that's what he was asking God to, to heal him from. But I like uh, Stephen Furtick one time talked about this, this message. And he said, I, I prayed and fasted for days for God to show me what this was, what the thorn of the flesh was. And finally, God just told me, if I wanted you to know, I would have wrote it in there. And see, that thorn of the flesh, it's, 
Paul is so specific with everything else that he's weak about. Everything else that he's gone through. Talks about how he was beaten without, uh, with rods. That he was shipwrecked. That he was even left for dead, etc. And then here, all of a sudden, he's vague. See, it's almost like he's giving us this wiggle room to wherever that, whatever that thorn in your flesh is, God's grace is sufficient for you. God's grace works best in our weakness. And so I'm glad that I'm not the best speaker in the world. I'm glad that I'm not the best pastor in the world, the best husband, the best father, because God's grace really helps work out the kinks in my life. I'm not even the best Christian. I know. But God's grace works out those kinks in my life. And so I have no problem being transparent about my weaknesses because I'm not holier than thou. But the one who is holier than thou helps give me grace for the things I can't control, for the things I need help in. The fruits of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit are there to help you, to help me. And you don't have to continue from this day forward being so worked up in your emotions about your insecurities about what other voices have told you to say about yourself. You don't have to just follow the leader of whoever's in front of you. You have a voice, you have a choice. And what you say about yourself matters. How you see yourself matters. Because that is what will determine how you see others and how you treat others. I want everyone here to close your eyes and bow your heads. And if you're here and you're ready to make the first step of making this identity of yours put into Christ. And you need to today make him the Lord of your life and the Savior of your soul. I want you to raise your hand. Amen. And the Bible says in the book of Romans that all you have to do to start this identity process, God made it so easy said, all you have to do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he rose from the dead. That that's a starting point. It may not be the ending point, but it's definitely a great starting point that anybody is able to start at. And so if that's you and you're ready to do that today and start this journey, pray this prayer with me. And if you've already given your life to Christ, I want you to re- pray this prayer too as a reaffirmation of your faith. Say, Lord Jesus... I put my trust in you. You died for me, for my sins, for my insecurities, for my shortcomings, and you rose from the dead. I may feel weak, but you are strong. I put all of my hope, all of my trust into you. Be the Lord of my life and the Savior to my soul. Guide me by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.